Stone, weak made strong in the same. 
good and we lift our voice, we lift our praise to you, knowing you're our hope, you're our future. So, Father, we thank you for what's happening in this church and we love you and we just give you all that we have, uh, knowing that um, none of this could happen without you. So, Father, we love you, we thank you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, one of my favorite things. I guess I just realized this as I was saying in the last service is when um, Pastor Ken comes into the church after I'm already there, I'll know he's um, in the building because he'll be talking to someone in the lobby or in the hallway and I'll just hear him say, God is good. God's good. All the time he's saying God's good, right? And so I find myself in times like last weekend in Squirrel Hill, um, thinking that's not my first reaction, that's not my first thought, is that God's good. And so I don't know what it is that you're here with, but I want to challenge you, and I guess I'm challenging myself too, to look to the Lord. Um, This verse in Ecclesiastes says, just as you cannot understand the path of the wind or the mystery of a tiny baby growing in its mother's womb, so you cannot understand the activity of God who does all things. So I can rest really easy knowing that God's got it under control. And because this mystery of a baby in a mother's womb, and there's other things that I just don't get. I can understand that the Lord's got a plan. And so would you sing with me? God's so good. He's never let me down yet.
We just love to sing songs to you and just thinking about your word, God, in Psalm 107. It says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. God, you are good and we give thanks. We just give thanks to you in the stillness of our heart right now. God, coming in wherever we came in with, God, just heavy hearts from last weekend, heavy hearts with just the own stuff that's going on in our lives. We just still say, even if it's just knowing in our head because of what we read from your word, God, that you are good. Maybe we now feel sometimes that you are good, or we can't even see sometimes, God, that you are good. We still believe and trust and know, God, because of your holy, precious word, we know that you are good. Season in and season out, God, with rainy weekends like we had last weekend or beautiful leaf-changing, color-changing weekends like we have this weekend, God, you are good. Season in and season out. God, whatever whatever our lives look like, we still can proclaim that you are good. And so, Lord, we love you. We make you the priority. And we just thank you so much for Jesus Christ and his awesome, powerful name. We just all say amen. Hey, guys, would you say hello to those around you? We're excited that you're here. All, uh, as you all have a seat, if you could uh, pass the friendship folders down the aisle, we appreciate that. I, you know, one of the things I love about this church and being on staff here at this church is that we we love when people tell us that they're new or they're checking things out or that we see people that have been here for 20 years. It's just what a privilege it is to serve you 
And what a privilege it is to do life with you all. And so whether this is your first time or this is your fifth time or this is your 1,335th time, we're just thankful that you're here and we're excited about what God's doing. Last week, Pastor Al did a, just shared a powerful message and this weekend we have Pastor Ken back with us and he's in Ecuador and just super excited about what God's going to speak through him. We've had two powerful services and we know he's going to do big stuff this third, this third service. So just as we uh, share some highlights, make sure to grab an Operation Christmas Child box. There's information, there's DVDs at the table in the lobby. Grab one as you leave. Those things are free, the DVDs, all the information at the table. Grab the box and make sure to bring it back um, November 12th through the 19th and stack it across from the coat racks in the lobby. So make sure to grab that. Next sa- next Sunday, next weekend, is uh, we're going to be honoring our veterans here at Crossroads. And so one of our very own veterans, uh, Eric McElvenny, will be sharing the message next weekend. So please uh, be here and bring in a veteran, either somebody in your family or somebody in your community, um, or maybe you are a veteran. Well, we would just love to honor you and honor those uh, who have uh, served and just are so thankful to just have an opportunity to just have Eric share next weekend. So it's going to be a powerful weekend. Make sure to join us. And then on November 21st is Thanksgiving Eve. And so at 7 o'clock here on Wednesday night on November 21st, we will be having a time of song and of testimony as well as communion. And so this is uh, a little bit different than a weekend service. It's, it's more towards testimony and we'll have a time of communion. We'll have time of song. But this is just a great way for us all just to gather before we celebrate um, Thanksgiving with our family. So join us and then we'll have a great night. It's going to be on November 21st. If you open up your bulletin, there's a handout for the birthday gift of Jesus. We'll be talking more details as things as the weekends roll on, but make sure you check that out and start praying through, you know, what it is that you would give towards that. What a privilege we as Crossroads, as a church body, get to give towards people who are serving internationally, locally, uh, and just carrying on the same mission that we have here at Crossroads to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And one thing I want to mention too is next Sunday is going to be our Haiti mission trip interest meeting. And it's going to be right here in the auditorium after the second service. Even if you're like, I just want to hear more information, we'd love if you join us. And so we're super excited about that. As well as if you signed up for next steps, make sure to join us in the gym after the second service today. And we'll be having our membership meeting and just really excited to help those uh, people take the next steps. And so that's you. If you've signed up for it or if you want to jump in, please hang out with us over in the gym right after the second service. As well, one more thing. On our website, you can sign up and get tickets for the Dessert Theater. December 6, 7, and 8. And there's times are on our website, but you can grab your tickets, and uh, we're really excited for just an awesome year. Most importantly, we do this. If you're new with us and you've never heard about the Dessert Theater, um, we do this every year, and this is a way that we reach into our communities through this incredible production uh, that's all hands-on-deck thing as a church, but people bring their friends, and, and Pastor Ken's going to share the gospel. Guys, it's an awesome time. This is this will be my second year, and uh, it's going to be exciting. My kids are in it, so I'm super excited about that, too. So, guys, we're just excited. Are we excited to be here this morning? Come on. We can get excited. Yep. So at this time, i like to ask the ushers to come forward for this morning's offering. And if you're new with us this morning, we're, we're just excited that you're here. I know some of you, this is weekend three. And uh, I know that it's a big thing to, to step out and check out a church or even just stick it out and kind of find where do you fit and who do I know and how do I meet people. But we are just really excited about what God's doing here. And then some of you called this church home for many years. And just know that we pray for you. We consider it a privilege to do life with you. And so as we give now towards the mission to see lives changed by Jesus, if you're new, please feel free to participate. But this is for those who are regular in the grace of giving or call this church home. 
But uh, we're just super excited to see what God's going to do this morning as we continue on. Would you join me in prayer? God, we love you. We're humbled to just be in your presence, God, to know that no matter what we're coming in with, God, we can proclaim the truth that you are good. God, we can proclaim the truth of just knowing that at the end of the day, it is you who rescues our soul. It is you, the only one who can save us, not just from our past, but can give us a life and a purpose. And so, God, I pray this morning would just be just a moment where we can rest and just knowing that you're God and that we're not. And uh, no matter what life looks like, um, I know some of us are riding mountaintops and some of us are sitting in the valley right now. And we know that you're going to speak to us in only the way that you can through your Holy Spirit. God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. There's a deep sense of unease in our rapidly changing world. We all know something has been lost, but we don't know why or where it all leads. Pop culture tells us it's all about me and that we should worship our own creations rather than the creator. In politics, the end justifies the means. In relationships, love means self-satisfaction. In life, status and appearance are what count. In the church, confusion replaces clarity and conviction. Our faulty and distorted view of God is at the root of all our problems. But what if we view God differently? What if we saw Him the way He longed for us to see Him? We can worship a God who is holy, wise, and just, one whose faithfulness and goodness are matched by His power and sovereignty over all things. This is a God who can deliver us from evil and transform lives. This is a God worth worshiping. The way back, the path of hope starts with knowing God for who He really is. We need to know the real God. Well, happy time change Sunday, huh? Got an extra hour of sleep. You know, I was in Ecuador last week, and they don't do the daylight savings time. So when I got off the plane in Ecuador, I went back an hour. And then I got home on Wednesday afternoon, and I had to go forward an hour. And then last night, I went back an hour again. So I'm not quite sure where I'm at today, all right? So it's, uh, it's somewhere in there. We, uh, we were so happy to be down in Ecuador last week, as you know, our church has uh, a very strong connection to Ecuador. Many of you have been there many times. We've taken groups for the past eight, nine years over to Ecuador. And it all started nine years ago, <clears throat> um, nine to ten years ago. Mark Slag and I went in there, and we took a little, a little plane ride into the jungle. And uh, we began a relationship with Daniel Gonzalez. So Daniel took us into the jungle. And, you know, when, you're, when you go into the jungle and you have no water... Um, you know, like, because uh, we're like big guys, and so they wait us to get on the plane. They said, oh, you're too, you're, your scale's too much for you. You get to leave your water and your suitcase and all those other good things that you need to survive, right? So uh, we flew into the jungle with nothing, and uh, they gave us boiled water in the jungle. That was really an exciting thing. That was just Mark and I. And uh, so we created a bond with our missionary down there, Daniel Gonzalez, and, uh, and he is from Argentina. So his English isn't even the best of English. So you're just kind of surviving in the jungle, and you're like, Lord, what am I doing? You know, I'm, uh, you put me here, I guess. I don't know how, how this happened. And we developed a bond with him, and, uh, and it's been a great relationship ever since. So last week, he invited me to come down for the, uh, for the dedication of their camp. Now, uh, eight years ago, we took a group down, and we, we were at the dedication of their camp. Uh, eight years ago, we went down to their camp that they didn't own yet. 
And we had asked God, and I think, Scott, you were there, a bunch of people were there. Um, uh, we had a whole uh, uh, bunch of people were there from our church. We had about 45 people, and we got up on this mountain, and we prayed, and we said, God, if it be your will, would you give Daniel Gonzalez this camp so that they can minister to teenagers here in Ecuador? And so we come home, and six months later, he says, hey, guess what? Uh, we, got the, we got the land. God gave us the land, and God provided the money for the land. And next thing I know, they start building buildings up there. And here we are eight years later. They've built this camp, and it's this beautiful, beautiful camp up there. And I'll show you some pictures down the road here. But uh, I just want to encourage you. Uh, they invited me, and I got to pray the prayer of dedication over the camp. So I was the representative for our church there. And so uh, God placed me there to represent you, and I just want to thank God for all that he's done, how he's used you, our people, to uh, help the people of Ecuador. Can we just thank God this morning for that? So God is so good. I, I do want to encourage you to take the birthday gift to Jesus list. It's in your bulletin. Begin to pray over it. This is the list of all the people that will receive help from, the, from this this year. There's uh, $83,000 on there that we will send out all over the world, um, including Ecuador. I was there in Ecuador uh, with Daniel, and on Sunday morning, this time last week, I was preaching in Fernando's church, Fernando Bassler, another missionary from Ecuador, who was just here this fall, and uh, we, uh, we, we had a great time with our, with our people down there. But be praying. We're going to Haiti as well. There's a mission group, so we're going to try and send another group to, to Ecuador later in the summer. In the spring, there's a group that's going to go out to Haiti. Um, one, of our, one of our girls in the church, Tracy Mulhorn, she's a, a young girl in our church, about 30 years old. Her aunt has been a missionary to Haiti for 40 years. And I said, what? Your aunt's a missionary and we're not supporting her? So her name is on the birthday gift of Jesus this year. Isn't that great? What an opportunity we have. So give God a hand for that. God is good. And, uh, and so if you're interested in going to Haiti next week, come to our meeting right afterwards, and we'll give you a little bit of uh, insight what's going to happen and how you can get involved with that. And so we're, we're excited about these opportunities. So we've been on our series. Our, our series is entitled The Real God. And we've been looking because many people have a misconception of who the real God is. Many people want to, want to make God who they want him to be. Everything from God being a policeman in the sky to being a magic genie where you rub his lamp three times and you get what you want. And there are two extreme views. And, and God tells us one of the things we're supposed to do is look at the whole counsel of God, the whole picture of God. What is God all about? It's not just what you want him to be. It's just not the, your favorite part of who God is, if you will, okay? It is the whole counsel of God. And as we look at the whole counsel of God, we laid the foundation, first of all, with God is good. And if we, if, if, if we don't build upon God is good, you'll never understand the holiness of God. Because from our perspective, when we think about holiness, it's because we're not holy, right? So if I'm not holy and I think of God as, as, as in, in his holiness, I'm, I have this fear, I have this, I have, to be, I have to be perfect. And God did say, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. But he also took care of that with Jesus Christ on the cross. When Jesus came to this earth, he paid for your sin once for all forever. Why did he do that? Because he satisfied his holiness. He satisfied his justice and his love and his goodness sent Jesus to the cross. So we lay the foundation with God is good. Then we build upon it with God is holy. Then last week, Pastor Al talked about God is sovereign. And this morning, we're talking about this. God is all wise. 
If you look in, your, in your, uh, the back of your bulletin, you know, fill in the blanks if you're taking notes this morning. The fill in the blank there is God is all wise. And, and, and uh, we get this here. There's many places all over the scripture. We see the wisdom of God. We see that God is wise. And, you know, it's just all over the Bible. Let me give you one instance here. This is from Daniel chapter 2, verse 19. Daniel is about ready to interpret the king's dream. Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, and he went all to all his people, and he asked them to interpret his dream, and he could not interpret the dream. So uh, they could not interpret the dream. So Daniel comes, they call Daniel, Daniel goes before the Lord, and God reveals to Daniel the interpretation of the dream. Now look how Daniel's response here is. Daniel says, he pray, that then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. Now catch that. Wisdom and power. He says that both wisdom and power belong to God. It's interesting because power, we all understand power. Power is exciting. But do you realize if you don't have wisdom with power, power becomes abused? We see that all over our world today, don't we? We see governments, we see people, we see power just corrupting. And so power without wisdom is uh, really a bad situation. And he says here, he says, praise be to the name of God forever and ever, not just because of his power, but because he's a wise God. Wisdom and power belong to him. He changes the times and seasons. He sets up kings and he deposes them. Uh, Folks, I realize that Tuesday there's an election coming up. And I want to encourage everyone to go out and vote. I always encourage you to vote. This is a right that we have as a citizen of this country. But may I share with you who is in charge? What does Daniel say here? He sets up kings and he removes kings. This is God who's in charge. We do what God's called us to do. We go out and you, you vote with your heart. You vote with your values. But at the end of the day, I want to encourage you that God is the one in charge. And we had to rest assured in that. See, David was in a situation here where Nebuchadnezzar was, uh, was not a good guy. <laughs> this was not a good king here. And, uh, and so he says, listen, God is still in charge. Verse 22, he reveals God. I'm sorry. He changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and deposes them. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. God is the one who gives wisdom. Um, in, in verse 20, 21 there. He is the one who gives wisdom. If you want to have wisdom, you've got to get it from God. You see, I, I think you may get around some people who are wise, who can make, and you may say, you know, he's wise. He, he can make some good decisions there. But I want you to think with this, not only are you around people that can make a temporary decision, but I want you to, to understand that God will give you wisdom for your life. God gives wisdom because he can see the whole picture. Um, he, he reveals deep, verse 22, he reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells in him. So the light dwells in God. All the goodness is dwelling in God. He's in charge and he is a wise God. I thank you and praise you. Verse 23, I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. So he says, look, God had given him the power to understand. He had given the wisdom how to operate. And he says, look, wisdom and power belong to the Lord. Blessed be his name 
The kings come, the kings go. Everything's all at the command of God. And God, I praise you for the wisdom and the power that you've given me. So there was, uh, he had power. He was able to interpret the king's dream. He had wisdom. God gave him insight. And God allowed him to have more than knowledge, but to have wisdom. Uh, wisdom, the definition. If you look up Webster in the dictionary, Webster's uh, definition of wisdom says this. The quality of being wise. The power of judging rightly and following the soundest course of action based on knowledge, experience, and understanding. Uh, being able to judge rightly and follow the best course of action, the soundest course, to be able to have knowledge and experience. You know, when you get around people that are wise, you think of their experience, right? Right? I shared in the first service that if, uh, you know, you want to get around, you, you want somebody that has wisdom in your finances, you need help with finances, you go around somebody who has been successful with finances, right? And so I, I look, I referred to Roger Metcalf. Roger Metcalf balanced the budget. He was the budget director for Washington County for like 30 years. So, you know what, whenever I need uh, financial advice, you know, you're going to go to a guy like Roger. You're going to say, hey, Roger. Uh, how, do, how, how do you make this work? And he tells you all the time, spend less than what you make. It's a pretty simple process, right? It's wise. Why? Because he has the experience. Um, and, and so that's what God wants us to do. We come and we get around other wise people, right? So wisdom, this is, let's take it a step further. So that's wisdom in general. Let's now come over here. This is a theological definition from a guy by the name of Burkhoff. And Burkhoff says, wisdom is that attribute of God whereby he produces the best possible results by the best possible means. In other words, God is in the business of helping into our life. He is wise. He can see. And his actions are always wise. He is perfect in all of his ways. Not only is he flawless, he is wise. He is not making a decision that is going to uh, that is going to harm. He's making a decision for the greatest possible in all of the big picture. The best possible result for the best possible means. All wise means this, that God has all the wisdom. He has worked out everything for the good of his people and for the display of his glory. And you have to catch that two and two together. Romans 8.28 says that God works out all things together for his good, for the good of God, and for our good, to the glory of God, to those that are called according to his purpose. So if your heart is connected to God, you've trusted Jesus as your personal Savior, you have bought into Jesus, he says that he has taken care of you. All of that is at his command. Uh, this involves countless factors. The wisdom of God involves countless factors. It involves uh, people. It involves events. It involves decisions. It involves all kinds of things that would drive any strategist crazy. How does this life work? But God's not afraid of all that. God knows every decision. He knows everything that can and could happen. God is carrying out his perfect wisdom. Now catch this. He never fails. He never lacks any foresight. And he never estimates. You know, did you ever make an estimation and you were wrong? Did you ever do that, you know? Well, I'll make an estimate, you know. Uh, just putting up a little piece of furniture in the house, you know, just putting something together. And you estimate, you know, I always underestimate how much time it will take. You know, did you ever go, you do that? And it's like the directions, they don't even put words on them anymore. It's wonderful. Just pictures. And you have to look at it and you have to say, 
Wow, I'm so glad it's not in Spanish or any language. It's just pictures, right? And so you open it up and you're putting this thing together. And, uh, you know, I estimate it'll take a half hour. And for me, it's a half a day. All right? So just how that works. God never estimates. He knows exactly what to do. He makes the right decision all the time because of his wisdom. His wisdom, he has the knowledge, and therefore he can make the right decisions. Um, wisdom, wisdom um, as we think about this, even when things are looking at its worst, God is carrying out his wisdom. He knows all, and he loves to display the glory of God by showing you what is impossible. So as you're going through life and you think things are impossible, all of a sudden God shows up and you see the impossible becomes possible. Why? Because he's wise. He is perfect in all of his ways. But yet wisdom is different than knowledge. Uh, Do you ever get around somebody that has a lot of knowledge? You know? You, 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 I think everybody has been around somebody like that. They, they know the answer to everything. Like, before you finish the sentence, they finish the sentence for you, right? Because they know the right answer, but yet they don't have the wisdom how to use that knowledge, you know? They may be able to do some incredible things over here, but whenever they go into life application, there's just some basic life application that doesn't work, right? They don't have wisdom to apply the knowledge that they have into going to the grocery store, all right, Um, is the ability to see and to know. It's not about an IQ. The very root word of the word wisdom is to see and to know. It's not just wisdom, but to be able to see the wisdom and how to make a decision, how to work, how how do I operate based upon that. Um, When you get around somebody who's wise, you know that they can see and you know that they have knowledge that can help you make a good decision. So when we come to God, I want you to understand this. God knows all things actual and possible. God knows all things actual. He knows exactly what's going to happen, and he knows exactly what could happen. As, as you're living your life, there's events that come into your life, and there's ways that we react. And God knows how we will react, and then he knows how you could react. You see, because whenever you have an, an issue that comes into your life, there is a, a bump in the road. Here's what happens. We react. We either react positive or react negative. Um, God knows how that we could react. God knows all. He knows that if A happens, he knows what will happen to B. He knows all the steps. He's got it all under his command. He is wise. And so when we understand that God, is, God knows everything and he has more. So here's what, he, here's what he's saying. God has more knowledge than you do. You get really upset. I get really upset whenever the life is not going as planned. When life is dealing with tragedies. And folks, there are lots of tragedies in our life to deal with. But God is wise. And God sees the beginning to the end. And he sees beyond the beginning to the end of Ken Varner. Or your beginning and end. You see, we are finite There was a day that I was born. God bless that mother, my mom, you know. She looked, she told me, she went to that hospital, St. Clair Hospital, I was born, 1968. Now, I will have an end on this earth, but I will have eternity with God forever. God was eternal. He had no beginning, and he'll have no end. So for us, we don't 
have the whole view. We don't understand how the God had no beginning and had no end because we have a beginning and most likely you'll attend my funeral, right? And so it's like, wow, when you, when you look at this, it's like, wow, how, how can we comprehend that? Because God sees more. Do you know what God sees? God sees how my life will impact my kid's life and maybe I can see that. But you know what God sees? He sees how my life will impact the life of my grandchildren and my children's grandchildren's and my grandchildren's grandchildren's. He sees all the way 100 years from now, 200 years from now, 1,000 years from now. And I want us to, to catch that because when we start to come to that and we start to understand that, we understand his wisdom. Uh, over in the book of Job, Job's life fell out, the bottom fell out of Job's life constantly. I mean, it was just one, you look at it and you say, wow, every time you have a problem, you feel like, hey, am I Job today, right? And so look what Job says about God. He says, to God belong, Job 12, to God belong wisdom and power. Counsel and understanding are his. This belongs to God. He is the one in charge. He has the wisdom and the power for your life. Um, Jeremiah chapter 10, but God made the earth by his power. There's the power again. And he founded the world by his wisdom and stretched out the heavens by his understanding. Now, I was thinking about this last week as I was in Ecuador. As I've been uh, mulling some of these verses over, chewing them up all week, I look out the window and I see these mountains. The mountains in Ecuador are just incredible. I, uh, they dropped me off and said I got to climb. And there were several from our group. We got to climb up this mountain. And it was up to 12,000 feet elevation. Okay? And, uh, and uh, folks, I didn't climb 12,000 feet. Okay? I don't know what I climbed, but I'll tell you what. I couldn't breathe. And uh, it was purely elevation, right? It had nothing to do with anything else, right? But it was like I'm going up there. I'm like... <gasps> All right? And my Ecuadorian friend, Pocho, he's like, oh, brother, okay, no problem. Stop, 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 right? And so I get all the way up there, and I'm looking at these mountains, and I'm saying, what? Look at this beauty that God made here, and God allowed people to inhabit it, and he put people all over these mountains. God, in his wisdom, made creation. His wisdom displays his, his, his creation displays his wisdom. So as you go out and you look at the creation, and you know, then I, you get on a plane, you fly back, you come back here, and we got the Appalachian Mountains. And those mountains are completely different. Then you go out to Colorado, you got the Rocky Mountains, and those mountains are completely different. And then you go down to Hilton Head, where there's no mountains, just pure ocean. And you're saying, Lord, why didn't you give me Hilton Head instead of these mountains, right? And it's like, wow, you, you just see all this different. It's the wisdom of God is on display. And we see that. He founded the world by his wisdom, um, over here in 1 Timothy 1.17, now unto the king eternal, our God is eternal, no beginning, no end, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, he is the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever, amen. Romans 11.33, one of our theme verses, oh the depth of the riches of the wisdom of and knowledge of God. His unsearch how unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Our God is full of wisdom. Our God is wise. Every one of his actions are wise. And so I want to encourage you to understand something. There, as you're going through life, you cannot understand 
necessarily what's happening sometimes. Because you don't have all the knowledge. And we don't have the, because we don't have the knowledge, we don't have the wisdom to totally understand everything. If I could just share this illustration this morning. When I was last week down in Ecuador on Saturday evening, they took us to the equator. And the equator is kind of a cool spot. There's a yellow line that goes right down the middle of the parking lot. And it says, uh, it says latitude, zero, 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 right? Longitude, latitude, all zero, zero, zero. And, uh, and they're telling you how, you know, this is, this is like the, the, this is the equator. And they pay, you pay three fifty, and you can go tour the equator, right? It's really cool. And then they give you a, a little speech around it. And one of the, you know, they're telling me how that it goes on the left side and on the right side. You know, on either side, the centrifugal force makes water go different directions. And so we have all that. And then, uh, then he takes you over and he says, over here now, this is one of our artists. And this lady has a weave. And, she, and she's weaving together. She's making clothing. And as she makes clothing, she makes these beautiful designs in these ponchos. And I mean, they're just gorgeous. You go in there and you buy them and, and you, you bring them home. They're great souvenirs. And he says, now, I want you to understand something, though. This lady is so talented because as she does this, she, doesn't, she can't see the final product. She's seeing the inside. Do you ever get one of those shirts like that were handmade and you look on the backside? You say, what is it? It's not too pretty looking, is it? You see all the loose ends. You see something and you kind of get the idea of something, but you don't really know what it is. And then you flip it over and it's like, wow, this is beautiful on the other side. And I want to say this, that, that as she was weaving, she knew what she was doing. She knew that as she pulled each thread with a different color and a different pattern and a different design, she knew that she didn't have to see the other side because her knowledge told her, as I do this, it will produce this beauty on the other side. But for us who are standing there watching, you're like, wow, how in the world do they do that? And this is so hard work. She takes it off. And they're hanging up. She's got four or five of them, and they're absolutely beautiful. And may I just say, this is what our lives are like. This is what our lives are like. God is pulling the thread through your life. He is, he is weaving. He, he's the one doing the work. And as he pulls each thread, man, sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it's hard. But yet God is still pulling the thread. And as he keeps pulling it, all of a sudden one day... When we get to heaven, you'll see what God was working on. But today, you're seeing a half of a picture. Why? Because you don't have all the knowledge. You don't have the wisdom. So you need the knowledge to be able to make the wise, de wise decision. And so God is the one who's doing it. And as God is working in your life, folks, may I encourage you that God is the one pulling the thread. Do not be discouraged because you cannot see the final product. Because you don't have the, the knowledge or the wisdom. He is the one who has the wisdom. You can trust him because he sees the front. He knows what he's doing. I like this definition here of wisdom. It says that God brings about the best possible ends by the best possible means for the most possible people for the longest possible time. In other words, in your life, as you're dealing with situations in your life, um, wisdom has the ability to devise perfect ends to achieve those ends by the most perfect means. In other words, God is still working in your life. 
You're saying, but I don't understand it. This is painful. This is hard. How do I continue on like this? But because God has it all under his command, he has it all taken care of. It is by the most perfect ends. He is working. He has the plan. And he is pulling the thread. And for the most possible people, for more people than you can imagine. Now you say, wait a minute. I don't, I don't understand. How, how can this work? Uh, God's working because he can see much more. He can see future generations. Take, for example, the life of Joseph. Look what God did with the life of Joseph. Joseph was sold into slavery. He was thrown in a pit. He had all kind of problems, uh, problem after problem after problem. And yet, here he comes, and at the, end of, at the end of the story of Joseph, 20 years later, he's restored to his family because he is in a great position of power. And as he in, is in this great position of power, what does he do? He helps his family. He's in Egypt. God, listen, Joseph would have never wanted to go to Egypt, ever. But God directed him to Egypt for the time of a famine. And Joseph is now the second in command. And and his family come to him for food. Not only was it a family, but nations were coming to him for food. And God put his servant right where he wanted him to be. And God was pulling the thread of his life. He was, he was the weave. He was the loom. He was working it, and he was the artist of his life. And when, so when you, think about, when you think about life, you say, wow, how, the wisdom of God is something that is far bigger than us. And I'm going to just give you an illustration about wisdom here. Uh, here's a situation here. Let's just take an old situation. It was a long, long time ago whenever, whenever technology was not near as good as it is today. Um, the trains, they would have a, you know, you go out along the train track, you'd see a house up on a little, little hill beside the track, and down along there would be like a little, little switch house. And the man who lived in the, in, the, in the house would go out and switch the track, right? So there'd be places where the train would make a decision to go uh, north or south or whatever, and, and the man would come out and he'd switch the track. So they would radio him, and he'd come out sometime ahead, and he'd have the track ready to go, and everything would go smoothly, course today is all automated but let's just go back into that time and now here he is this man is outside and he's in this little booth and as he's in the little booth what would happen was his little boy would quite often bring him lunch so his little boy comes out and he's bringing him lunch and as he's coming you can hear the train coming off in the distance the man is in the booth he's got the track everything's in place ready to go and the train's going to come right by him soon and the little boy is coming down like he always would to bring him lunch But today, the little boy trips. And as he comes down, he trips across the track. He's in the middle of the track. His foot is twisted. And now he doesn't know what to do. So he's stuck there. And the dad is in in a perplexing situation. He says, what do I do? Here's my boy. And here comes a train filled with four or 500 people. What am I going to do? He had, he, had a, he had a big decision to make there, right? So his decision was, do I, do I sacrifice my own son? Or do I let all these people go free? Or do I let those people die and save my own son? And you see, that's a little of the tension that we understand of God the Father and God the Son. For when God the Father and God the Son, you know, when God sent his son Jesus, the one and only son Jesus, God, to the, to, to the cross, that was the tension there. But I want to take you a step further. What if that little boy in the train tracks Before the dad has to make a decision, what if that little boy would be the little boy who would grow up and have the cure for HIV AIDS? 
and he would save thousands of lives. What if that would be the little boy? And now the decision is now complicated. The wisdom becomes because there's knowledge that you didn't know. You went from 1 to 500, now to 500 to 5,000, 5 million people. Wow, that little boy could save 5 million people. Or how about if on the train, one of those people on the train had the cure to cancer. And the guy on the train has the cure to cancer. And the dad's going to make a decision that would kill the guy on the train or is he going to lose his own son? Which is it going to be? The guy who has the cure to cancer is going to save millions upon millions of lives. Or what if the little boy on the track who's stuck on the track is the next Billy Graham? And he could take the gospel to millions upon millions upon millions. Do you see now what wisdom is? Wisdom is seeing what you cannot see. God has the wisdom to see what you cannot see. So when we understand him as all wise, God understands the total, total picture. And as we come to him with the total picture, you have complete confidence because he is all wise. And if we will take that and apply that into our life, that he is all wise. He is always, always wise. He makes the right decisions all the time. Um, This morning... I want to remind you this, that God is good and evil is limited. God is good and evil is limited. What we saw happen in Pittsburgh last week, that was evil. God is good. Never, never take evil and say that the evil was God. Because God is not evil, nor does he produce evil. And as we start to understand this, uh, the, the horrific tragedy that has gotten the attention of all of us, all of our, everyone in our city, and really everyone in our country right now, that was evil. And God says in his wisdom that even though that evil happened, that God will still work. And this is where this is like, okay, now we have got to start to understand that God is really in charge and God sees more than I can because I can't see beyond the horrificness. But God sees way beyond it. And he says, I am wise and I will work. But never, never say that the evil was God. James said that. The book of James tells us, let no man say when he is tempted that I am tempted of God. Because God does not tempt. God does not produce evil. God is alone holy. He is good. And he is wise. God's wisdom means that his perfect knowledge leads to the best decisions. His perfect knowledge leads to the best decisions. And uh, as you think about that this morning, I'm reminded of a, a fellow that I met when I was in Ecuador last week. He was from Venezuela. And if you looked, at, looked up anything on TV about Venezuela right now, it's bad. I mean, the economy has... I, I read something like 83,000% inflation. That was by BBC. 83,000% inflation. Could you imagine that? We get crazy if it goes up 4 or 5%. Eight, they said every 26 days is what it takes to double up the price of anything in Venezuela right now. 
And, and so I met a man there. He was from Venezuela. And we'll put up, a, put up a picture here. This is just people fleeing. This is not him. He asked me not to put his name up or to put his picture up because he is a missionary in, in Venezuela. He is Venezuelan. And he said, I will not leave. I will not surrender to the government there. Life is hard. And so I leaned into him and I said, wait a minute. How can we help? What can we as Americans do to help? And I'm thinking, what's the political answer, right? And he goes, I know what you're thinking. He said, but that's not the answer. He said, the answer that God is with us. And this is what he told me. He he didn't know I was preparing this. (laughs) He says to me, he says, God is good and God is wise. I said, whoa. He said, all of our situation is bad. But our God is good. Our God is good. He said, now listen, he he has about 18 people that he works with in this Bible Institute. He told me in order for them to have food, because everything's just outrageous. It's like $200 for a loaf of bread. It's ridiculous. He said he has to get in a boat and he goes over to Colombia. He takes an eight-hour boat. He has a canoe with a, with a motor in the back and he goes blazing down, down the river over into Colombia, gets food in Colombia and brings it back to the people that he's trying to minister to. And he tells me, he says, listen, the best thing that you can do for me is pray for me that God will give me strength because I know who is in control. Folks, we get a little rattled whenever we missed a little payment, right? Whenever inflation went up a little bit, when we lost our job. These folks are responding to God and saying, man, I know that God is in control. This next picture is a a family. This little girl came up to me in a wheelchair after the service. I spoke at Fernando Bassler's church last Sunday. And she came up and she wanted a picture with me. And I, and I was like, oh, they probably just never seen a guy this big, right? And so she wanted, she wanted a picture with me. So I got down and I took a picture with her. And then her family came over and we got a picture with their whole family. And this family here, they are refugees that fled Venezuela into Ecuador. They've been in Ecuador for only two months. And they started to tell me their hardships and their pain. And then they said this, God is good. And I said, What? But you just told me pain and problems and all kind of tragic things. And they said, but God is good. And they're thankful because they had a bowl of rice yesterday to eat. And they're seeking and they're trusting God for the next bowl of rice. You see, God is good. The world we live in is fallen. We deal with, these bodies are fallen, folks. This body isn't going to last forever. These walls aren't going to last forever. This economy isn't going to last forever. But God is always good. And God sees a time that is greater. Evil is limited. Do you understand in heaven there will be no evil? There will be no evil in heaven. Can we thank God for that this morning? Let's give him a hand. No evil in heaven. There will be no, nobody to misuse power. God will be wise in all of his ways and we'll be there with him forever and ever. Never look at evil and blame God. Evil will cease. Evil will cease, but God's goodness will never cease. I'm so thankful for the privilege to tell you the goodness of God this morning, that he is wise in all of his ways. To live wisely this morning, I want to encourage you to start with fearing the Lord. If you want that wisdom, like Daniel said, you gave me wisdom, God. If you want that wisdom, I want to encourage you this morning to come and begin by fearing the Lord. 
Proverbs 9.10 says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. When we think of fear, the first thing that comes in your mind is the word afraid. And so the, the fear of the Lord is not necessarily I'm afraid. Fear of the Lord is this. It is the beginning of wisdom. But here's what it means to really fear. Fearing the Lord means this, that you recognize that he is the creator, that he is your master, that he is the Lord of all. And in response, you willingly submit yourself to him for his plan for your life. If you want wisdom, here's how you get it. You come into the presence of an almighty God. Oh God, you are creator. You could do anything. And I am humbled in your sight today. And God, whatever your plan for my life is, Lord, it's painful, it's hard, but I'm going to turn over to your plan. I'm going to submit to you. And do you see the position of humility that you're in now? He said, but God, that's not what I wanted. I, I think it ought to go this way. And this is where we wrestle. We wrestle back and forth with God all the time. God says, listen, the beginning of wisdom is to stop wrestling. Because an almighty God sees generations upon generations upon generations. And he sees that he placed you here in 2018 for such a time as this. And he says, I'm going to work in your life and just let me take care of it. Because I know the picture that you cannot see. You say, but God, I've got trials. I've got pain. My friends in Venezuela have got trials and pain. My friends in Ecuador, my friends in Haiti, I met with the Haitian missionaries yesterday. They're telling me how kids are just surviving. They get a bowl of rice and beans every day. You can support kids in an orphanage by buying a bag of rice every month. And we're looking and we're saying, God, how does this work? God says, listen, I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. Trust me, I am wise. And when we come to that, that's where it is. That's the fear of the Lord. I cannot be wise without knowing God. Your, your wisdom grows as you grow in knowing him. We grow our relationship with God by receiving his wisdom from his word. He's given us this incredible book. You get to go in, into Proverbs. Has a Proverbs, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job are all known as wisdom literature. You can go into the book of Proverbs. There's a chapter for every day. 31 chapters. I want to encourage you. Read it every day. You, you want wisdom? You want to know how to live your life? The God who sees all, the God who knows all, has the wisdom right here, and he, he's helping you. You know, I, I know many people that will tell me that they will do things because it's right or wrong. And they'll say, well, I can do that. That's really not a sin. And the question is, is it wise? The question is not, is it a sin? The question is, is it wise? Oh, it may not, may or may not be a sin. But is it really wise that I do that? You know, there are things in my life that I just simply won't do because of wisdom principles. Because for the direction of my life, for my connection to my Savior, oh yeah, I could do this or that, but I have said, well, Lord, in your wisdom, I feel that you've imparted to my heart as I read your word that it's just not wise for me to do what maybe others could do. But for the direction that you've called on my life, it is not wise. And I want to encourage us as Christians, as followers of Christ this morning, let's be people of God's wisdom. You see, if you're only sitting there and making a chart of things that are right or wrong, you've missed the wisdom principle. You've missed the wisdom principle. 
we want, we want to come and we want, we want to ask God for wisdom this morning. We want to ask God for wisdom. That's the final part in your notes there. Ask God for his wisdom. I love what James chapter 1 verse 5 says. He says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He'll give it to you. We'll go over there to James chapter 1 verse 5. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you. You see, that's humbling. I come before God and say, God, you're God and I'm not. I need your wisdom in this situation. Uh, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone, not in your circumstances. <laughs> Make sure your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is unsettled as a wave in the sea that is blown and tossed in the wind. Overwrite your wisdom. Come before the Lord like this. Overwrite our wisdom and come to the Lord and say, Lord, whatever you show me, I will follow. I will follow. It begins with salvation and it continues in humility. I want to invite you to Christ this morning. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed tonight, this morning, I want to invite you to Jesus. I want to invite you to a wise God who who had so much wisdom that he knew that he had to satisfy his holiness, he had to satisfy his justice, and yet he loved you, his goodness, his wisdom, and his mercy sent Jesus to the cross to pay for your sin. And so this is how good our God is. He's a great God. He's, a, he, he's incredible. And he says, I love you, and I care about you, and I want you to have a relationship with me. And so Jesus did that. And he says in his word, as many as received him, to him he gave the right to become the children of God. So this morning I invite you into, the, into, into a relationship with Jesus. And if that's you this morning, say, Pastor Ken, I need, to, I need to open my heart to Jesus. I'm going to ask you just to pray with me in just a moment here. And just quietly tell God what, what, you're, what, you're, what you're saying here, that I need Jesus. So just pray something like this to God. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I've done wrong things. You died on the cross and you paid for my sin. You came back to life again for me. In all of your wisdom, Lord, you took care of my sin at the cross. I invite you into my life right now. Dear God, be with your people this morning. Many people in this room, no doubt, have opened their hearts to Jesus. And God, I pray that you will work in their life. May you grow that relationship with them. And Father, for for all of us in this room, help us to trust your wisdom, that you are wise. You are not evil, but you are wise. Evil is limited, but your wisdom is infinite. Your wisdom sees way beyond what we can see. We love you and we bless your name this morning. Amen. Just stand and respond with me. Sing to the Lord.